Amen. So, we've been uh, looking at this series of No Holding Back, and the title of my message this morning is Seeing is Believing. Now, you may have used that phrase, you may have heard that phrase, <clears throat> and, and basically what we mean is, I'll believe it when I see it. Now, I've used that a number of times, usually when one of my children told me they were going to tidy their bedrooms, yeah? I'll believe it when I see it. Or maybe when a politician has promised to do something, maybe we might say that. Or perhaps when the weather forecaster tells us it's going to be a beautifully sunny day. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Anybody else skeptical of weather forecasts? Maybe it's just me. But believing it when we see it. Seeing is believing. But actually, I want to suggest an alternative meaning this morning. Because if seeing is believing, then I believe that we can increase our faith when we're looking in the right direction. Let me say that again. If seeing is believing, then I believe we can increase our faith when we're looking in the right direction. Daryl said last, last week that we want to have a house of faith. We want to gather in faith. And I know, and I'm sure you know, that a lack of faith can hold us back from seeing everything that God wants for us as individuals and as a church. Now, we know that faith is a gift from God. So when we come to Jesus, when we give our lives to Jesus, we receive a gift of faith. Every one of you this morning that has given your lives to Jesus, you've got faith. You may not feel like it's very big, but you have faith. But I don't know about you, I often feel that my faith is pretty small. Anybody else? <laughs> and I believe this morning that the truth is that we can influence our faith. If seeing is believing, we can increase our faith when we're looking in the right direction. So do you want to increase your faith this morning? then we need to be careful what direction we're looking in. What do I mean by that? Well, what's our focus? What is the focus of our attention? Focus means to look at something intently in order to see it more clearly. It also means to give careful attention to, give our full attention to. Now, we've already talked about focus in the messages we've heard so far on this series. But I believe it's really important, so we're going to talk about it some more today. So the first point that I want to make today is that the direction of our focus will determine the direction we go. Now, have you noticed that it's quite important to look where you're going? I'm sure we've all experienced times when we haven't. I remember one particular experience when I was a teenager and I was walking home from school and I did the classic thing of chatting to my friends, not looking where I was going and walking straight into a lamppost. Now, I then did the thing that you do when you're trying to pretend that you haven't hurt yourself and it's really hurt, you know, you're really in a lot of pain, but you try and be really cool and pretend it doesn't hurt. So I've got a whacking headache, and I'm walking home from school trying to pretend that my head is not killing me uh, until I get home, and the bump on my head suddenly gets bigger and bigger. But it's actually, we know, important to look where we're going. Isaiah 43, verse 18 to 19, says, Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. 
see I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I believe that looking backwards will hinder our progress forwards. This series about no holding back is all about moving forward. Staying focused on the past will stop us moving forward. Now, we all have a past. And some of the past is good. And we are called to remember the good, to give thanks for the good. But let's just look at the context of these verses that we've just been reading in Isaiah 43. So going back a few verses to verse 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. See, God was reminding them of the past, of the great things he had done. Isaiah said, this is the God who brought you out of Egypt, who rescued you, who parted the sea, who destroyed your enemies. And this God says, forget the past. I'm doing a new thing. It's like God is saying, yes, I'm the God who did all these amazing things, but don't stay there. I'm doing something new. You see, there's a difference between remembering the past and living in it, the good and the bad. And the word for forget in this passage means do not call to mind. In other words, don't focus on it. Don't choose to think about it. Now, perhaps God has done some amazing things in your past. Maybe you hanker after the good old days. But the same God who did those then is doing something new. Let the goodness of God in your past lead you to believe for greater things for the future. But we also know that past failures and disappointments can hold us back. They can damage our faith. The fear of failure and disappointment can stop us moving into the future God has for us. But I just want to sit for a minute on this whole topic of success and failure. Because what is failure? Well, if failure is the opposite of success, then look, look at, let's look at the definition of success. So success is achieving the results that were wanted or hoped for. So I did a little bit of a study on the words success and failure in the Bible and actually found out something very interesting. They don't seem to exist. The word that is actually translated success in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, actually means to prosper, to be wise, to have understanding. And there's no word at all that I can find for success in the original Greek of the New Testament. And there is no word for failure anywhere in the Bible. The word fail is used in the context of the crops failed. God's word will never fail. But let's have a think about all of those people that messed up in the Bible. Not once, not once does God say they're a failure. It seems that the word failure is not even in God's vocabulary. So why is it in ours? Now, of course, we make mistakes. 
we mess up. And in the sense that we miss the perfect standard of God, we fail. But that is sin. And there's an answer to that, isn't there? The grace of God. He forgives and forgets. He chooses not to remember our sin. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? See, failure often is focused on us, what we've messed up at, what we've failed, what we haven't done, what we've got wrong. Disappointment is usually focused on someone or something else. Things don't turn out as we'd hoped. And Georgie spoke a few months ago on disappointment, and you can go back and listen to that. I'm not going to talk about that in detail now. But we will not be able to move forward if we stay focused looking at our failure and disappointment. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I'm doing a new thing. God doesn't want us to focus on our past because he has something new for our future. Do you believe that this morning? Last week, Daryl quoted Lisa, Lisa Bevere. God who speaks, God speaks to who we are becoming, not who we've been. He calls forth destiny rather than echo history. God is focused on your future. He's fully aware of your past, every bit of it. But he tells you, I'm doing a new thing. Can you see the future, your future, through the eyes of faith? Can you focus on what God says about your future rather than what you feel about your past? He tells us in the passage what he's doing a new thing and what that new thing is. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Perhaps for you today, your life feels a bit like a wilderness, a bit like a wasteland. But God wants to bring life and fruitfulness and refreshing. So we will not move forward if we're looking back. Secondly, the direction of our focus will determine our perspective. Now, I don't know about you, <clears throat> but there's one sure way for me to waver in my faith, and that's look at myself. When we look at our own weaknesses, our own hurts, our frailties, our hang-ups, our difficulties, we can easily waver in our faith and doubt the promises of God. And last time I spoke, I spoke about the excuses we sometimes make to God. Oh, I'm too ordinary, I'm too insignificant, I'm too weak. But when we focus on ourselves and our difficulties, we will not see clearly. Psalm 40, verse 12 says, for troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. Our vision can be blocked by our troubles. It's like we're surrounded. We have to choose where to look. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now I don't know about you, but my troubles don't always feel light or momentary. And I'm sure some of you would say the same. 
But actually, in the light of eternity, they certainly are. Now, we may not understand why we go through the things we do, but when we have given our lives to Jesus, we can be absolutely sure there's glory coming. In comparison with the eternal glory to come, when we see Jesus face to face, our problems are tiny. But when our troubles surround us, how do we keep in perspective? The answer is in the next verse. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is internal. Now, it's so much easier to look at what we can see than what we can't see. It doesn't make any sense. How can we fix our eyes on what is unseen? But determining to fix our focus on Jesus, who is eternal helps us to move forward even in the midst of our problems and difficulties because it changes our perspective on our problems. Some years ago, I was praying about a situation and I was just praying, God, this is like a mountain. And God just said to me, Wendy, it's all a matter of perspective. From my viewpoint, that mountain is a molehill. You see, when we see ourselves, our situations through the eyes of Jesus, who is above all, those mountains suddenly seem much smaller and much more manageable. We need a new perspective. And that comes when we fix our eyes on Jesus. Thirdly, the direction of our focus will determine our level of victory. In Numbers 13 and 14, we read about the Israelites who, as we've said, have been miraculously led out of Egypt, and they've come to the edge of the land that God has promised them. So this is the land he promised them years and hundreds of years before that they would come into this promised land. And Moses sends out 12 spies to spy out the land, to look at it and see what it's like to investigate the goodness of the land and some of the obstacles they may have to face. And they come back and say, yes, it's really as great as God has said. But the people who live there are really big. We can't possibly defeat them. Now, two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, yes, they are big, but we can win because God is with us. But the people were so focused on the size of their enemy, the difficulties, that they dismissed the promise of God. They said it can't happen. They looked at the size of the problem and their faith disintegrated. And the result was they stayed in the desert. In fact, they stayed in the desert for 40 years because of their lack of faith, because they were focused on the size of the problem and not the size of their God. Joshua and Caleb looked at the size of their God and had the faith to move forward. And as a result, they were the only two of their generation who entered the promised land. Let's not wander in the wilderness because we focused on the obstacles. Let's enter in to the promises of God in faith because we're looking at the one who defeats the enemy. In 2 Chronicles 20, we read that an enemy came to wage war against God's people. And the king, Jehoshaphat, called the people together to come and to seek God and cry out to him. And in verse 12, he says, For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, 
but our eyes are on you. Focus. We don't know what to do. Do you know what? It's okay not to know what to do because we have a God who does. And when we look to him, we can be confident that he will come through for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus builds our faith when we are in the battle. And ultimately, he will enable us to see the victory. In 2 Kings, we read about Elisha and his servant, and they're in a city, and the city has been surrounded by the enemy. These enemies are after Elisha. And Elisha's servant is worried, understandably, and he's panicking, and and what what are we going to do? But Elisha says, don't worry. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then he asks God to open the eyes of his servant. And his servant sees the hills full of chariots of fire all around. Now, it would be nice to see those chariots of fire sometimes, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. When we're struggling and we're going through difficulties. The truth is that when we fix our eyes on Jesus, our faith rises. And we can begin to believe that actually those that are with us are more than those who are against us. Or as 1 John 4 verse 4 says, he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Fourthly, the, de- de- the direction of our focus is a choice we make. We have to put effort into looking in the right direction. Have you ever lost anything important? Perhaps a child, maybe, or your keys. (laughs) The amount of effort you put into looking for it is directly proportional to the importance of the thing you've lost, would you say? Now, when I was about two or three, my mum tells the story about how I vanished from home, apparently. I was in the house, and then I just disappeared. And my mum was panicking, worrying, looking everywhere, uh, and was on the point of calling the police When I suddenly appeared from behind a chair, I was hiding. And apparently it was very unusual for me to be quiet, which I'm sure none of you will believe for a minute. Um, But I'd hidden. I was trying to be really hiding really, really well. And uh, I couldn't understand why my mum was so upset uh, that I'd been hiding so well. Um, But yeah, she was hiding. She was distraught because she couldn't find me. Psalm 63, verse 1 to 3 says... O God, you are my God. Earnestly will I seek you. My inner self thirsts for you. My flesh longs and is faint for you in a dry and weary land where no water is. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Now, God is not hiding. We haven't lost him. But we may have lost sight of him. Because perhaps there's been too many other things blocking our view. Maybe we've not been looking in the right direction. The word for seek in this verse means to seek diligently. It also means to seek early. In other words, seeking God is our first action, not our last resort. And Daryl spoke about this when he spoke about seeking first the kingdom of God. And he explained then that that word seek means to search after, to crave, to desire. There's an active pursuit that we must choose. Verse 2 here says, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary to see your power 
and your glory. And that word see doesn't just mean to have in your line of vision. It means to inspect, to consider. It's giving full attention to. Looking upon God in the sanctuary means to enter into the presence of God, to pursue him, to give him our full attention. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe that men and women are different. And one of the ways that they are different is in the way they see things and the way they look for things. Now, this, this, was, this was illustrated beautifully, actually, this, this morning. Because Martin said to me, we were here, where's the bag with the, the drinks in? I said, it was, it's with it. Well, I can't see it. Where is it? Where is it? Well, it's not there. I lifted up Lois's coat. There it was. See, seeing and looking are not always the same things, are they? We have to make an effort to see, to look, to pursue. So, what are you looking at? My question this morning, what are you looking at? Are you seeing? What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the past, the good or the bad? Are you looking at yourself? Are you looking at your problems? Or are you making a choice to fix your eyes, to fix your attention, to fix your focus, to fix your thoughts on Jesus? Hebrews 3 verse 1 says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 1 and 2 are familiar verses we know well. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And the word therefore, fixing our eyes, means actually to deliberately turn your eyes away from other things and fix them onto something else. We have to make a choice to turn our eyes away from other things and fix them on Jesus. He is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He initiated it. He's the one who gave it to us in the first place. And he's the one who will bring it to completion. There is no better person to fix your eyes on in order to increase your faith than the person who gave you faith in the first place and the one who will bring it to completion. He is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So I'm going to come right back to where I started this morning. If seeing is believing, then we can increase our faith when we're looking in the right direction. The direction of our focus will determine the direction that we go. The direction of our focus will determine our perspective. The direction of our focus will determine our level of victory. And the direction of our focus is a choice that we make. Andy, would you come up and the band come up, please? So we have a choice. We have a choice every day, every moment of every day, about where we're placing our focus. Will we focus on Jesus, on his word, on who he is, on what he says about me, what he says about you, what he says about himself. Because when we do that, our perspective changes. We can move forward in the direction that he has for us into all of the promises 
that he has. We can move into all that he wants for us. We're going to finish with a song, but I just want to pray before we do that. Oh, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you would help each one of us to fix our eyes on you. God, we admit that so often stuff gets in the way. We get in the way. Our problems, our difficulties get in the way. Our situations. Sometimes, God, we admit we're just too lazy. We just don't think about it. We just let ourselves drift. But God, my prayer today is that every single one of us will make that choice every day to fix our eyes on you, to ensure that you are our focus, that we have our perspective correct. Because God, I really believe that as we do that, we move forward in a way that we can never do otherwise. That God, we can see the new thing that you have for us. That we can move away from our past. Lord, I want to pray for anybody this morning who's struggling with their past. Anybody who feels that, God, the stuff of their past is dragging them down. Maybe they feel they failed. Maybe there's been disappointment. Maybe there's been hurt. God, there's been stuff that they feel even now is preventing them from moving forward. Lord, I pray that you will come and that as they make that choice to turn their eyes upon you, that God, that past will just seem to disappear, to come into focus in a way that is not damaging them in the present. Oh, Lord, I thank you. God, that we can come to you. And Lord, I pray for anyone this morning who's never actually come to you yet, who hasn't taken that step to look to you for their salvation, to look to you for their forgiveness, for their cleansing, for the new life that you bring. And Lord, I pray that even today, they will turn their eyes upon you. Thank you, Jesus. We're excited about everything that you want to do. We're excited about the future that you have for us, for the new thing that you're doing. And Lord Jesus, we don't want anything to hold us back. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.